Oh, it's great. It's great that we as a body respond to the Spirit. And I, I love it when people come and just respond to the Lord because you're not responding to us. This is eternal decisions that we're making. And it's exciting when you see people make those decisions in the Lord. Amen. So it's lekker. And uh, yeah, so those who don't know, because I see there's a lot of new faces, my name's Benny. I'm one of the elders in, in Josh Jen here. Uh, Monet that you've seen, he's kind of overseeing the, the churches in this area, us being one of them, George, Mossel Bay, Oatsuring, Willowmore, Swellendam, as far as, yeah. Mos, say again? Oh yeah, Mossel Bay's AM and PM and Hart and Boss. Okay, yes. Still by, ah, oh, sorry, still by here. Oh. Swelling them, I said swelling them. <laughs> so yeah, he kind of oversees it, and uh, so yeah, just let you know a bit about who we are. Uh, John is another elder that's been reinstated. Well, he's always never stepped off eldership, but uh, going for it, and it's lucky to have him with us. And Chad, who leads this congregation, is taking a weekend break and uh, just having a rest. Well, it wasn't really a weekend. And Bob, the other elder, so two of our elders are out. Camping and backsliding and uh, no, joking. <laughs> no, cool. That's it's great. Yeah, they need their rest, eh? There's a lot of work involved. You might not think so. It's not just a Sunday job. Uh, yeah, so it's one of those things you realize when you're discipling people, as much as you love it, it's tiring. It's a, it's a lot of work. But we do it with a joy. And uh, so, yeah, I want to pick up just for what. What was happening, just that thing of evangelism, you know, we started off recently this year, well, the end of this year, what we felt was to, to, we felt the urgency of God to go and evangelize, to go and meet the needs of the people, to go out in the streets of George and go and evangelize. And it's something we've been feeling for a while, um, so recently we got a team together, those who feel called to evangelize, who, well, we all call to evangelize, those who feel they're called to the office of evangelism who, who go out. Uh, you know these kind of guys because they're the kind of guys, and I think Monet is one of them. You, they, they can talk about the weather, and people say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And you think, how do you, do, how do you connect that? I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a gift. It's an office within some of them because we, we, we know about the office, the office of evangelism. Now, we don't all have the office, okay? Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, it says, God gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, uh, what else? Evangelists, pastors, yeah. So that's the fivefold. Evangelist is one of them. So some people carry that office, okay? And you, you know those kind of guys. Um, some of us, well, we teachers. But, you know, as, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, he tells Timothy this. He says, do the work of an evangelist. So you might not be an evangelist, but we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. And uh, that was part of the Great Commission that Simone shared in Matthew 28. Jesus said to the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded. And so that's, that's our instructions. That's the Great Commission. So we don't believe that you're just born again, converted, and that's the end of my road. No, now you have been called to go make disciples. So a disciple is someone who makes disciples. Okay. So it's important that we do this and we understand it. But I, I do want to say I'm not coming from a place of someone who's who's gifted. In fact, I think my personal muscle, I do try and evangelize, but that muscle, I feel like, I feel like one of these skinny guys that walk into a gym, you know. It's just one of those muscles that's not developed even in me. So I'm going to be honest with you. It's something I feel challenged with, and it's something God's challenging me 
And so I'm not going to, I can't impart what I don't have, but I do want to maybe point us to Jesus and the scripture and hopefully, and that's why I've asked, you know, just some of the guys who are living in that to just kind of impart into us the excitement, the joy, the, the privilege of going. And uh, we can't lose that. We, we've got to have that in us. And so I'm going to point us to Jesus, but um, I want us just to realize that it's from that, like I shared, it's from that place of gratitude. It's from that place of thankfulness. And there should never be a fresh, there should never not be a fresh revelation of what God has saved you from. There should always be that constant reminder. We're not, we're not, we're not bound to our past, but it's a reminder just to look back and you think, oh God, if, every now and then I look back and just see what I'm saved from. It, it just changes your perspective and it brings a, a fresh and excitement, a fresh joy. As David even said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation. Actually, it's God's salvation. And uh, so I, I want to just remind us of 2 Corinthians because I, I, I feel this is, this is the testimony. This is what we have. It says, therefore, and this is why I don't believe we just converts. We have been given something. And so in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 21, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. God reconciles us to him. Do you know you were once at war with God? You might not think so. The Bible says you were once against him. Your, your, your carnal mind was enmity. It was, it was living for you, yourself, and I, the three unholy trinity in you. <laughs> it was against God. And uh, your sin, your pleasure, that was you. That was for you. That was living for yourself. And then it says God reconciles us to himself through Jesus Christ. So when we come to that repentance, that place of just receiving, God says, okay, now I can call you my son because now I've graced you with my righteousness. And then it says um, through Jesus Christ and has given us. Now notice this. We're not just saved. Now we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, again, a commitment. That's a, that's a, it's like it's God's giving us something precious, that he's committed to us, a word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And I love that scripture because it says we are, it's like God is pleading through us. He's imploring. He's, he's, it's like the urgency that the God just, like, I want those people, and I want to do it through you. There's an urgency within us. And, uh, and so I've got I to gotta admit, I don't always feel that urgency. And this is what I want to challenge this morning because, and I, I've been actually looking at my own heart, Lord, why is it that I, I don't always feel that employing, that, that, that I just want to reach to the lost. I, I have God in me just with that sense of urgency. Do you guys sometimes not feel that? Or is it just me? Is it this, that little muscle of mine? <laughs> but, you know, as I was thinking back, I, I think in a large degree, I've been very insulated. I've had almost like a cocoon around me, insulated in the sense that I'm in the church, insulated with you guys, and, and I love you, and this is what I'm called to be part of, a family of God, but with this insulation, 
um, there isn't a place that I've created in order for me to go and reach people because I'm so insulated. I've, you know, I'm part of church, part of connecting with people, pastoring. Um, I'm part of the home groups like you are, committed to those things. But there's still that I'm not engaging in the world. And, uh, and I think when, you, when you're not engaging with the world, how can you have a, a heart, not have a heart for them? It's because you're not with them. And so I want to challenge you guys, step outside of your church circle for the purpose of evangelizing, because we have to. I, I, I just feel it myself. As it's something that, in fact, Jesus prayed this to his disciples before he departed. He said this, he says, I pray, Lord, I think it's in, um, I didn't give it to you, Stefani, so don't worry. But in John 17, when Jesus prays for them, he says, he prays to the Father on our behalf. And he says, Father, I'm praying that you don't take them out of the world, that they remain in the world, but I pray that you protect them from the evil one. And then he says, sanctify them in the world. So in other words, we're in the world, but we're not of it. And so Jesus is praying on our behalf in the world. But he doesn't say, don't take them out of the world. And so in a sense, we've got to be careful that we're not out of the world, that we hermits living isolated from the world. We've got to be in the world. Otherwise, how can we witness to the world? So, but, and so I want to say again, I'm not in any way, I, I've been challenged by this because I've been, I've been trying to minister to people. I think, God, you know, it's like I've got to look for the divine moments, the divine opportunities that God has for me. But I think sometimes we get too maybe caught up spiritually that we lose sight of the practicality of evangelizing. And, I, and so, you know, I want to look at Jesus this morning because I think he helps me understand and how, my call, my purpose. Um, because Jesus was a great apostle. He was the great apostle who sent Jesus, the Father. You know, apostles, one who sent. But Jesus was also an evangelist. He went and go and shared the gospel to the lost. And uh, so let's look at Jesus this morning. Let's look at him. And what I want to start this morning is, is to say that I want us to get a picture of Jesus that's correct. Because sometimes I think we look at Jesus and we See, God, Jesus is God because he was God, but we fail to lose sight that he was also man. Okay, and I want to look at this in the context of evangelism. Because even Jesus needed to hear the Father. Okay, in John 6.38, he says, I don't know if I gave you that one. He says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And then you can give me the other one, John 5, 19 says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Do, do, you, do you get that? The Son can do nothing of himself. That's Jesus saying that. So let's, let's just stop there because Jesus became an example for you and I. So the, I don't want you to just look at Jesus as God. He was purely God, but he was also purely man. Okay, and it says he could do nothing of himself. You remember when, when Jesus left his heavenly, what do you call it, kingdom? He, he came and he, it says he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all his godly attributes. If you empty, it means you're not filled with something. <laughs> I don't know how to clearly state this, but he emptied himself, which made his reliance and dependence on the Father all the more so. Do you, do you get it? 
And it's important that we understand that because sometimes I think we put Jesus in the category and say, that's God. He could evangelize because he had all the power and I just have it now and then. I think like that. So I'm challenging me and I'm challenging you this morning. Take that out of your mind because that is not true. Jesus had to look at the Father. He emptied himself and then it says he could do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So the key for us is to look at the Father. What does the Father do? And to respond. And God has given us his spirit to know that. Okay, so it's important that we do this because I think, you know, as I was looking at this, I think we almost got this God idea of Jesus. Quentin, I, I brought my, your torch, by the way, just to give it to you. But I'm just thinking of it. <laughs> I, I didn't bring it for the message. But I'm just thinking of something now. Sometimes we think this about Jesus. We think, you know, we call to be the light and the salt. It means a light, is, there's an on button. And it should stay on. It's not a, oh God, uh, this is not my moment. And then you switch off. We kind of like this. Think, you know, on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. You know, it's like the, anyway, Quentin, here's your torch. Okay. <laughs> But I feel we feel like that with God. There's the on-off moments. There's, you know, the power, and then I'm back to human. There's the power, and we think like that with Jesus. But actually, I want to I look through Scripture how Jesus did evangelize. And I love, Lauren always, my wife always tells me, you love to go to John 4. It seems to be you, the place. It's just something beautiful of Jesus, uh, of not only him talking about worship, but just the way he engages with people. It's just amazing. So I want to go there quickly, John 4. And I'm going to look at Jesus because he is the one who's a true evangelist that knows how to do it. Um, it says that he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. And so he came to a city in Samaria, which is called Sychar, near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well it was about the sixth hour, a woman of Samaria came and drew water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Um, I just want to stop there quickly. It says, for his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. Now, the first thing I want to say is, Jesus was led by the Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit led Jesus. And I think there's some important things that I want us to take, because we... As Jesus the role model, and he was led by the Spirit, he could do nothing of himself, so we have him as a role model. He's the first fruit for us. So we've got to do what he's doing, and we can do what he's doing. Otherwise, he wouldn't come to show us. Okay? So he's the role model. He's, not an ex he's telling you this is what you've got to do. Um, Benji, you had a scripture this morning. Where are you? Where are you, Benji? Come, come share that scripture, because I, I, I want us to, I want to lay this thing thick this morning about, the, about Jesus as an example for us, not an exception when he does things. So it's 1 John 2 verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus is saying, walk in the same way that I'm walking, okay? I'm not an, I'm not an exception, I'm, I'm an example because you can do what I'm going to do, all right? I've emptied myself, you exactly like me, we're dependent on the Father, we're dependent on the Holy Spirit, so let's do, let's look at Jesus as the example here. And so one of the things of living by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is that we're not bound to the obvious expectations of the world. Think of it. Jesus is led. Now, the normal route, just that you know, is not to go through, Jesus on his way to Galilee, 
The normal route is the Jews didn't like to go through Samaria because they didn't like to be touched with the Samaritans because they felt they were unclean. So they would take the more scenic route around. And I was just looking at that. You know, it's like, why did Jesus go through this little town called Sychol? And you think of it, God is going to reveal worship to this little town out of all the places to reveal worship to. Wouldn't you think the most obvious place to reveal worship to would be Jerusalem? In fact, to be the temple. In fact, you'd think Jesus would take it to the priests and say, okay, now this is, uh, let me lay the blueprint of how worship's going to look like. Because they are the custodians of the house of God. They are the custodians of worship. And I think, oh, God, you, you, they would be the guys I would take it to. They would be practical. They would be real because, I mean, Jerusalem would start there. People all go there from surrounding areas to go and bring their sacrifices to the Lord. That would be the place. But God doesn't do that. He takes them, he goes through a town, and he's going to reveal worship to this little town. Now, let's just think about it. What was significant about this town? I don't, I don't know what made the Holy Spirit lead Jesus, but I started thinking about it. Jacob's, this little village, was totally dependent on this little well. Its livelihoods, its animals, everything that sustained the village was surrounded by this little well. And I thought, who else would God reveal worship to but to the small little village who understood their dependence on a well? And then Jesus comes and says, you know that well that you depend on? That's going to come to an end, but you know what? I'm the real well. And you see the revelation and the weight that this town must have carried to understand something of worship, where Jerusalem probably would have rejected it. What are you talking about, Jesus? You know, you're the blueprint. But this town understood something. There was something of a weight that Jesus brought, that the Holy Spirit brought. So what I want to say first is, don't be too, don't work by the world's expectations. God might lead you to a place that might seem totally insignificant. Don't do what the world does. Don't look through the world's lenses when you go and reach the lost. And um, the next thing is, he was led by the Spirit. He also wasn't walking in his prejudices. He wasn't the typical Jew that went around the town. He went through it because God had called him to it. And you know what the amazing thing is? is then the, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink? And you know, Jesus opens a doorway because of this, this abnormal walking. He didn't look through prejudice. And I want to say, even when you go and evangelize, that person might be black, white, might be English, Afrikaans, might be young, or might be old. I want to say to you young guys, don't hold yourself back because that's an 80-year-old Umi that you just think, well, what can I relate to that? Man, if the Holy Spirit's leading you, go and speak to that man. Because God will break open something that you don't even understand. But just be obedient. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. So Jesus was not bound to prejudices when he was led by the Spirit. But he also wasn't bound to his weaknesses. Listen to what I'm saying. He wasn't bound to the fleshly weaknesses in the sense that he was um, not natural. So, so he says, this, I love this scripture because it, it, it shares the honesty about God. And it says, yeah, him being weary on his journey. Jesus was weary. Think of it. Jesus was weary. He was tired. He was, I'm sure he was sweating. I'm sure he smelt like sweat. He was man. Okay? But think of it. How often, I, I know for myself, I used to get back from Muscle Bay from work. 
I get back to spa. My wife wants me to buy bread and milk, and I'm tired. I just want to get home, think about supper and all these things. And now the lady in front of me can't ring up my milk because the barcode's bent, and I'm getting more frustrated. And, but she's my mission field. You see, my, my weariness can, can sometimes distort that. It can sometimes cloud that. That's my mission field. Or the car guard that didn't see me get in my car but now wants to direct me out of my parking because he doesn't think I've got rear view mirrors, you know. And I can get frustrated with that because I'm weary. But he could be my mission field. I'm, I'm being honest, church. Your mission field, who is it? Where is it? Is your weariness clouding you from being able to see what the Father's saying for that person? I've got to admit, that's something I've got to constantly awaken my heart to, because Jesus was weary. He was tired, and it says he was thirsty. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked the woman for a drink. Flip, have you, do you know, I was even working out, do you know how far he traveled from, from where he was to there? It was 32 kilometers. That's from here to Claimbrock. He was weary. I think me driving in the car, Flip, who might to complain? He was weary, but yet he didn't allow that to stop him from witnessing. So guys, don't, don't use your work. Don't use it. This is, this is a moment that we've got to live our lives. And yes, we've got jobs to do. We've got things to do, but don't go weary in well-doing. You're going to be weary physically, but keep your heart and your mind on the Lord, even in those moments. And so Christ did, he was human, but he was also God. And to me, it really expresses his humanity. And I love, you know, 1 Peter 3.15, it says, always be ready. To give a reason for, the, for them that ask you for the hope. Now, I love this because he also says to the woman, give me a drink. And you know what? I want to say this too. I think sometimes when people evangelize, we get the super spiritual, you know, I'm not weary or I don't get tired because I'm in the Lord. Come on. People can see that. You can see through your veneer. That's, that's a lie. In fact, the world needs to see that you've got the same issues as them. Otherwise, how are they going to identify with you? And I think we get super spiritual. People need to say, hey, this, this guy's got the same challenges, but there's something different about this guy because he's not bound to those things. He's, yes, he's also got a job. He's also tired. He also works with, but there's something I see in this guy. He's, he's got a joy. He's got a hope. He's, he's out of step with what everybody else's doom and gloom is. There's something eternal in this guy, and, and it provokes something within them. And so I want to say that, don't be bound to those things in the flesh. <clears throat> and so I want to say this. When you begin to, to walk in that hope, when you begin to walk in the joy, even within your times of tiredness, you're going to stand out. Okay, you're going to be out of step with the world. You're going to be, in a sense, when you do that, you're out of sync with society because you're walking to the spirit to the beat of the Spirit. You walk into the heartbeat of God. And when we do that, we out of, let me tell you, when you're in step with the Spirit, you're going to be out of step with the world. And you know what that does? It provokes other people to ask questions. And it provoked this Samaritan woman to say to Jesus, why are you asking me for a drink? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How, you're going against the norms of society. Aren't you with the program, Jesus? But you see, he was with a different program. It wasn't a worldly program. It was the, the Father's program. You see, I, I want to say this to us as a church. You know, when we go to the malls, when we go to the shops, when we go to work, when we go to school, 
we are, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.16, that we are the aroma of Christ. We are the aroma of death leading to death and to the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? You know, we can't walk into the room and be odorless. We have to be the aroma. Some, some people are going to reject us, and that's fine. Jesus said if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. So you're going to be a stench of death to others, but you're going to be a aroma of life to some. And it's not up to me to decide who smells what. <laughs> you know, that's, that's God shining in their hearts. That's up to them. And those who reject him are those who, who want to carry on living them, their own lives to themselves. That leads to death. But that's going to be their decision between them and the Lord. As long as I am uh, transmitting the fragrance of Christ. And this is what I like because Peter kind of affirms this very thing that I'm saying now. He says this in 1 Peter 3.15. You can go there quickly. Remember what I said, when you're out of step with the world, you're going to be in step with the Father, but you're going to stand out. Now, notice what Peter says. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You see, when you set yourself apart for the Lord, you're out of step with the things of the world. Okay? And that's what sanctification means. It means set apart. Okay, so you set, you look different, you act different, you, you're not doing things that everybody else is doing. And then it says this, and, and, and so this is what I love about the scripture, and it says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Do you notice people aren't going to ask you for the reason for the hope that is in you if they're not seeing something different about you? You see, set yourself apart is going to provoke questions of those around you. You're going to provoke. It's going to be a holy provocation. Like, why are you doing this? And wow, what a platform to share the gospel. And then it says, always be, always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope. That word defense is actually not, you're not, it's, not a, it's a word apologia, which is to give an answer. And so this morning, I want to encourage you guys. Where's your answers? Where's your, are you ready with answers? to those who ask you for the hope. And let me tell you, they're not going to ask you for the hope unless they see the hope that is in you. Is the hope of Christ evident in you? I don't know. I'm excited because I, I want to say this. I think sometimes we, we think we've got to have a 10-point theology on the Trinity and how everything works around whatever the eschatology, you know, that's not what we have to be ready for. It says be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. You know, Colin and Simone were sharing something of the hope that they have. No one can deny the hope that you have. Do you, do you get it? Because you are the evidence of that. You, you're giving your testimony. I want to say, please, expel it from your mind that you've got to be a great teacher to be able to express the hope that you have. It's your testimony. Share it. That's, that's what Peter's saying. You've got a testimony. Share it. Okay. So let's not get too technical. Let's not get, oh, I need a degree before I share. No. Just have the hope in you. Have the hope of Jesus in you. Because when you have it, people are going to ask you why. Then you can share your personal testimony. Be ready with a personal testimony. I think you can. I don't think it's too much to ask to say, hey, have a personal testimony ready. I've had to challenge myself. What is my testimony? What is your testimony when people ask you? Are you guys okay? Sorry. Uh, what's the time? 
just got to worry about time here. So I'll just try and... Okay, and then Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I'm, I'm kind of moving on very quickly. I'm not going to cover the thing of worship and all of that that Jesus uh, spoke about. But I want to focus more specifically about evangelism. And so Jesus said to her, I'm going to go to verse 16, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're well, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And so what I want to say here this, this morning is just, I think too, so there is that element of the flesh, yes, you weary, all those things. But when we begin to trust in the Father, I want to say, you know, we need to start trusting also prophetically for words for people. We need to be listening to the Father prophetically. And I think we can develop gifts within us, gifts of prophecy, even discernment. Discernment is maybe something a little bit different in the sense, for those who don't know, discernment is being able to pick up something in the spirit about someone. There might be areas or, or, or things that are holding them back that they can't see. Discernment would, would kind of give you the reason for that. It will give you the, the, like God will reveal to you, like shining a light on something. And you can pick up in the spirit what is holding that person back in order for you to speak. Or you might even have a gift of knowledge. Now, Jesus actually had a gift of knowledge for this woman. Now, you've been with five men, and the man you're with is not even your husband. <laughs> That's knowledge. And it brings her to the place where she says, okay, I perceive that you're a prophet. You get it. So our dependency is on the spirit. We're a people of the spirit. So we've got to be naturally natural, but also supernatural. Okay. And this is the part that I want to focus, I want to end and I want to land with, because this is the part that's important. And verse 39, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word, listen to this, the word of the woman who testified. I just want to stop there. Just, just keep it there. So here you've got a group of people. Now, remember, this woman had been sleeping with five other, well, she had five other husbands. I'm sure she's got, I wouldn't be underestimated to say where she was promiscuous, okay? And she lived a life that was, according to the other people, not right, okay? So what I want to say this morning is, I love the fact that Jesus uses this woman to share her testimony to bring people. And it says, yeah, so the, it was a small village. I don't think it was such a big village. So the people knew her, and I'm sure they knew her lifestyle. And I want to say, it doesn't matter what your lifestyle, what you've come out of. You might have had a life. You might have been divorced many times. You might be a person who's lived a promiscuous life. But you know what? God can use that to his glory. But you need to repent of those things. You need to put it aside, and you need to serve him. And I'm sure she came to that moment where flipped. It's almost like God put a microscope on her heart and said, this is what's in your heart. And it just brought it to repentance. And yet her word became a testimony to the town. Amazing. I want to say, it doesn't matter where you come from, God will use you for his testimony, for his glory. So don't hold yourself back. That's, you know, we had guys coming to the front of God doing that exchange of that cloak of, that black cloak for that righteous. That's what God does. And then, it's, and then I love this because then, the, the, then it says, and so when the, let me go back there. Okay, so that, uh, the word of the woman who testified, 
and he told me all things that, that I ever did. And so when the Samaritan had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. Now, I want to say your testimony will urge other people to invite Jesus. So the town now hears her testimony. They invite Jesus into the town and say, listen, Flip, we, we recognize there's something on your life. We want to invite you. Your testimony is not to make you look good. Your testimony is there to lead other people that they invite Jesus into their homes, into their lives. Do you, do you get it? And then it brings them to a place. Now, it's not just her word. It's now the invited Jesus that they begin to hear him for themselves. And then it says this. Uh, and he told, uh, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. You see, there's something when, it's great. So your testimony works. It brings people to Jesus. It brings them to the revelation. Man, there was something different that I can see. Only God could have done this. And it brings them to a place and saying, okay, I want to invite Jesus because I see what's happened here. I want. And then there's an invitation. Do you see, do you see where it leads people to? It's not to you. It leads them to Jesus. And that's where our testimonies, that's what they're for. It's to lead people to Jesus, to lead them to the Lord themselves, that they begin to hear for themselves the word of the Lord. And, um, and so I want to encourage us this morning. I'm hoping, I feel, yeah, I, I know myself, I can't impart this. It's something I've got to, as I said, exercise, something I've got to live in. It's something I've got to be obedient, something I've got to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that God has been spurring us on from this morning and just to, to, to impart something of, listen, there's an urgency of going. And um, I said to Monet before he came, I said, yes, if you want to share anything, because I know you do carry the gift of evangelism. You do carry that thing of um, being able to witness with people. And it's a, it's a lifestyle for you. It's natural for you. And I said to Monet, you know, I just feel if there's anything that he wants to do, share on this, I would like him to because I know he can impart something where I can't because I'm a teacher. I've been, you know, I haven't been living in this, but, um, but I want him if he can. And Monet? So I think awesome preach, eh? Teach. Feels inspired by that. You know, the one thing that stood out to me like right at the beginning is, is like, that little town knew that that well was life. And Jesus goes on to say that you will cause rivers of living water to jump out from your innermost being. That makes you a, a well. You, Jacob's well. Sitting where you are, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you've accepted his sacrifice, you've allowed his spirit to start moving through you, you've started hearing his word. Maybe you started believing in the word because of someone else's word, but now you hear his word. That means you're a well. Who here is a well? Oh, there's a couple of saved people. Who here is a well? I think it starts with acknowledging that God wants me to be a well. That God wants other people to drink from me. How does that happen? Jeez, man, I don't know. You know, sometimes it's just recognizing a moment. And I'm just going to use, so I'm not going to do another preach. I'm just going to, did you guys notice that when that prophetic word came here this morning about the black rope and the, and the, and the robe, um, Jean ran up and grabbed the mic. Well done, Jean. But as he grabbed that mic, just something in my heart went, oh, we're missing a moment. 
God just spoke. And when God speaks, he doesn't speak for no reason. I mean, he watches over his word to perform it. And sometimes in our life, we can miss the moment when God speaks. John didn't do anything wrong. The elders didn't do anything wrong. But we could have missed the moment there and gone, wait, God spoke. God said something. Like maybe we need to speak so that someone can accept Jesus' word into their heart. And when we go out into our workplace and when we go out into the gyms and when we go out onto the golf courses and the tennis courses and the places that we go, just keep this in mind, that I am a well and that at some point, just like Jesus who emptied himself, there might be a moment that the Father says, speak some words, be some light, be some salt. And what I want you to do this morning is I want you to just stand, if you will acknowledge that with me, and then if you would commit yourself to be a well and to follow the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray for us so that there would be an anointing that comes because I couldn't always share the gospel. I couldn't. I didn't always see people get saved. But it's, I was just faithful and faithful and faithful. And at some point, God just started breaking in. Not because I'm great, not because I'm good. Like Benny says, you know, I sometimes just go, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to say. I want to talk about the rope and talk about the robe. I mean, geez, like. But I'm available. And because I'm available, that life can flow through me. And if you're available this morning, saying, God, I might make a mess of it, it doesn't matter. You could be weak. You could be tired. It doesn't matter. It's your availability and your courage to go, hey, you know what? I can tell you about Jesus. Not about your theology, just availability and courage. And so if you want to be available and you want to be courageous, stand with me and I'll pray for us.